Good morning, Bucknutters. It is Tuesday, April 30th, 2019. I am Dan Rubin. This is the Bucknuts Morning 5 and Change. Coming to you from where else? An overcast, Jim City. On the line, who else? The lovely and talented Dwayne Long. Dwayne, how goes it in Columbus? Uh, same as it is down there. It's uh, it's cloudy, but that's better than what we were expecting. If you just saw the weather report earlier earlier in the week, uh, <laughs> it was supposed to rain just about all week, and now it's, uh, it's been okay, so I'm pretty happy about that. Fair to say Ohio is living up to its reputation with weather. It's not a good reputation. Who does have a good reputation? The Buckeyes when it comes to the NFL draft. We're going to get to that here in a little bit. Nine Buckeyes were selected, second most in the nation to Alabama. But first, we must talk about the quarterback situation. Anyone who thinks this is an offseason around here needs to get with it. Gunner Hope, Dublin Kaufman grad who was at Kentucky for a few years, is now back in Columbus. He replaces technically Matthew Baldwin on the roster who opted to hop in the transfer portal, and we're still seeing where he's going to end up. Your thoughts on the addition of Gunnar Hoke, not a surprise. Where do you think he fits in? How do you play him next to the supposed incumbent and Justin Fields? Basically assess the quarterback situation as of this morning. Well, I, I think it, it definitely improved. I, when I, I just floored when I saw Matthew Baldwin was leaving. I thought, you got to be kidding me. Chuganoff is going to be our backup quarterback. This is just not good. And he's our only backup. So, uh, you know, Justin Fields is was obviously going to be the starter, but we're one play away from Chuganoff being our starting quarterback for who knows how long, and uh, we're two plays away from not knowing who's going to actually be taking snaps. So, you know, it used to be, uh, especially under Jim Tressel, we had several guys who were high school quarterbacks. And we're looking around there, and I don't think that there's one guy who is actually a starter at quarterback for any length of time, if at all. So it would have gotten really interesting. So bringing in uh, bringing in this kid, and uh, you know we've got the the walk on coming in from California. You know it, we got some depth, but uh, you know it really is the bigger picture here is. This, if they're going to allow kids to walk away like this, we're going to see college football quarterback rooms look like NFL quarterback rooms. You know, with the NFL, you've got your starter, and then you've got a guy that you really would rather not play. And you know, if if and you know the the best case scenario is he's only in there for a game, maybe two, and maybe you can pull out a win. That's what you're looking at with the NFL, and that's what you're looking at now with college football unless uh, the NCAA does something to modify this transfer rule. These guys are going to be bailing, and it's going to be quarterbacks because that's the one position on the field where you've got one guy that's going to play 90-plus percent of the snaps, and the other guys are, I'm not going to sit here. I'm going to go somewhere where I can play. So you're going to have quarterbacks spread all over the country. They're going to be sticking for a year, maybe two. I mean, look at the Buckeye quarterback room two years ago. You got J.T. Barrett, and sitting there, you've got uh, Dwayne Haskins, who's who's uh, now a NFL guy, uh, 15th in the first round. 
you had uh, Matthew Baldwin, and you know, and then you've got uh, Miller coming in, Jack Miller coming in next year. So you've got a stacked quarterback room. The way this is going, that's a thing of the past, Dan. We're not going to see that. If you've got one guy and one waiting, you're you're better off than most the way this is going. You know, what I would see the Buckeyes do now is go after Evan Prater out of Cincinnati, Wyoming. I mean, he is – I think he's better than his offer list shows. If you watch his film, this guy is – he's got an arm on him. He's a big kid. He's six foot five, six foot six. And he runs so well that uh, he could be uh, a scholarship guy, a, a power five scholarship guy as a wide receiver. So get another guy in here. He's not going to be so good that it's going to make Miller uncomfortable. He's going to look down and say, yeah, that's that's going to be my backup here for a couple of years. That's, and, but that's the kind of guy you want, and I think he's underrated. Okay, Evan Prater, I agree, it would be an absolute coup if they could get him to come here with the understanding he'll be the backup most likely and could switch positions. Keep in mind his brother, Garen Prater, was a walk-on here at Ohio State and has recently entered the transfer portal. I also think Prater's offer list is good enough that he will be pegged as a possible future starter at one of those schools, Michigan State, your Purdue, your Cincinnati-level schools. So I don't know if it's tempting enough to get him to come here. I do actually think Gunnar Hoke represents what's going to be an advantage for the marquee programs in this respect. Gunnar Hoke is overqualified to come here and be the backup, but the hook is the Ohio State love and he came from here, etc. What I can see happening is kids from Pennsylvania who go somewhere and flame out or who don't necessarily get the starting job but are high-quality quarterbacks go to be the backup at Penn State. It would not surprise me if an Atlanta-based kid goes somewhere out of town, comes back to be the preferred backup as a veteran at Georgia. Same with an L.A. school, maybe USC. Uh, Alabama, we'll have to see. I still think you know their name is big enough they can get anyone to come in there, but there has to be some kind of extenuating circumstance to get the kid to sacrifice like Gunnar Hoke is. There is no way Gunnar Hoke would be transferring out of Kentucky to go anywhere but Ohio State. So that's lucky for Ohio State. And he's simply a more experienced player than Matthew Baldwin. Whether his talent level is above that, I don't think anybody can say for sure. But Baldwin just hasn't played a lot of football. Wasn't a starter until a senior in high school, got hurt, didn't really play at all here. Whereas Hook had a full high school career and wasn't actually a backup at Kentucky. So I don't think there's any question for the backup job. He's more suited to it than Baldwin. Whether Baldwin would have developed into a better long-term starter separate issue. It's going to be very interesting to watch. Obviously, this is Justin Fields' show. I don't think anybody ever disputed that. I saw one Heisman Vegas deal that has him as the third guy in a group there for the Heisman odds. You can't do that being the backup. All right. Let's move on. It was another huge weekend for the Buckeyes at the draft. Like we said, nine dudes picked, several others gone, and free agent deals. So everybody who's suited up, even Dante Booker, is getting a shot in the pros. That's wonderful. We will start at the top. Obviously, there's not much to discuss with, with Nicholas Bosa. He went where we expected. Thankfully, his injury his senior year did not send uh, NFL scouts elsewhere, and they got what they got. I would not be surprised if Bosa be rookie of the year. I think he enters a wonderful situation. If you look at San Francisco, they've beefed up their defensive line and free agency as well, so he's going to be joining an emerging group there. High hopes for Bosa. 
Let's get to what was obviously the biggest story. Dwayne Haskins dropped, put that in quotes, because you can't drop it someplace you weren't in the first place. But the real news was Daniel Jones went at number six from Duke to the Giants. Haskins dropped to the his hometown Redskins at 15. What was your impression of uh, Haskins' night, and uh, how do you think he'll do in Washington? I, you know, I, I couldn't be more shocked at this guy. I watched him throw at the combine. I'm like, why is this guy's name even in first-round conversation? He He's just, I was not impressed with him at all. I did not see the arm strength. Uh, there was just nothing about him that jumped out at me that this guy would be the number six pick in the draft. But then Gettleman, this uh, genius who was uh, running things for the Giants, he decides to get stupid and, uh, uh, and do something stupid. That was just ridiculous. How do you pass on Dwayne Haskins for this guy that nobody knew about until the combine? It was just absolutely crazy. Uh, dumbest move in the draft, period. Just ridiculous. He's getting hammered. If you go on the Internet, just type in his name, and I'm telling you, you are not going to find an article that supports his decision. You're not going to find one. He is just getting hammered, and rightly so. Here's my concern. Haskins, and I have a little bit of experience covering the Redskins back in the day, believe it or not, the same people are still somewhat in charge there despite how bad it's been. It's just not a well-run organization. He's going to be under a ton of pressure. Um, We saw what happened with Robert Griffin there. Started out fantastic and then nosedived in an epic way. I just really hope they treat Dwayne correctly. Jay Gruden is the coach, and he is literally on his last legs there. He's already been there longer than any other Redskins coach during Dan Snyder's tenure. So I think it's a tough situation, but I do think Dwayne will be the best quarterback on the roster. I mean, you're talking about Case Keenum and Colt McCoy, who are literally the definition of backup and mediocrity in the NFL. So I hope they take it slow with Dwayne. I hope he's not forced into the starting role and uh, shell-shocked behind a mediocre offensive line. But I do have a feeling he's going to be pushed into service pretty early, and they're going to be selling a lot of jerseys there. Whether he wears number seven is still up for debate. Joe Theismann's got to clear him there, but we will see. Of the other Buckeyes, Paris Campbell went to the Colts in the second round. Terry McLaurin also to the Redskins in the third. Mike Jordan in the fourth. A couple others. Who landed in a spot that you think they have a chance to thrive? Uh, I believe that uh, uh, you have to look at Campbell. The Colts, who's playing better than the Colts at the end of the, the regular season last year? Nobody. The Colts were really playing well. He's got a quarterback, had a you know obviously a major injury, and looks like he's worked through it. But he was looking like a star before that, and they've added a few other elements. I believe he's in a situation where he can really become uh, somebody that uh, that uh, pro football fans are going to know. Just they can click off everything. Yeah, uh, a high state guy and blah blah blah. Yeah, I believe he could be that household name 
considering the situation he's walking into. I could not agree more. I think of everybody in the draft, Harris landed in the best spot. He's going to a place that has an unquestionable franchise quarterback who has made more with lesser talented receivers. He's going to a place that already has a number one receiver in T.Y. Hilton. So he's not going to be under the pressure to be a 95-catch, move-the-sticks guy because we all know he's really not that guy. Um, I also think it's an intelligent organization with an intelligent quarterback, and they will figure out a way to use Campbell. And, by the way, he's within driving distance of his hometown, which uh, doesn't suck. He's far enough away that his parents probably won't do the drop-in, but he's close enough that he can have all his relatives there. Very happy for Paris. Paris, to me, was a true success story in that had he left at this time last year, and that was uh, a consideration, he would have been a sixth or seventh round pick. And said he came back and maximized himself and really took advantage of the process. I'm going to give you a sleeper of a guy who landed in an awesome situation but probably wasn't happy with where he went in terms of what round, and that is Mike Weber picked number 218 in the seventh round to the Dallas Cowboys. Believe it or not, I believe Weber will be the primary backup to Ezekiel Elliott next year. The Cowboys drafted Tony Pollard out of Memphis, in the fourth round, but he's going to be their Alvin Kamara type back. They're really expecting Weber to come in there and be their possible every down backup, um, and it's with Zeke. So I do think he landed in an excellent situation. Ironically, I think he cost Rod Smith a job, but um, very interesting on that front. What is your impression? There was some talk of Mike Jordan, three-year starter, started here as a true freshman on the offensive line. We all know how rare that is. Fell to the late fourth round. Some are saying he should have come back. What's your vibe on Mike Jordan's decision? Uh, he should have come back. He really should have. He was, you know, he showed he could play center, and I think that's the only reason he went in the fourth is because he didn't have a great year. That All-American uh, that he – how – how what did they see that he was an All-American? He just wasn't. Uh, you know, showing that – that he could be uh, an emergency center, that boosted his stock. Because versatility is everything in NFL. You just don't have enough bodies. So guys that can do multiple things for you, that increases their value. He, He absolutely should have come back. He probably would have been moved back to guard and shown that's going to be his primary position. He still had a lot to show as a guard. You know, guards aren't going to go that high most time anyway. But, uh, yeah, he, he should come back. He will be close by as he knocks heads for the Bengals. We'll keep an eye on him. We hope you enjoyed the show. Keep an eye on the message boards today. It could be hot and heavy. Have a good one, Bucknutters.